you seen the the finale for For All Mankind season three yet? No spoilers. I mean, seeing as we're recording on the Thursday and the finale doesn't come out until tomorrow anyway, I haven't seen it. No one knows that. <laughs> you could have seen it. You have you have access to see it. I do. I'm watching with other people, so we've been yeah, going. Yeah, you have an obligation. We, so. we are, I am on episode six, I think. I think we're about to watch six. So. Okay, no, no getting spoilers. There. Can, getting yeah. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. But yeah, we... we we wait the the people I'm watching with like to watch it like one per day, so we kind of timed it roughly so that it'd be ready in time for to watch it all in one go. I watch and one we, season every ten years. That's what I do. <laughs> it makes it feel real time. <laughs> but yeah, I, I've been enjoying it for sure. Cool, cool. Well, I I teased a few weeks ago that that there's a, a possibility I would um, do a season panel episode for nine to five Mac Happy Hour subscribers. That's the paid listeners through the apple podcast app and indeed uh, i have recorded that episode you weren't invited because you hadn't caught up by then so i'm sorry that you couldn't make it i'm glad that's the reason not that we're not good enough friends you know uh, i love you but <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh no it was a, it was a good episode uh, i was joined by uh our our audio editor seth kakowski and um uh, abner lee from nine to five google and uh, Jared Locke from 95 Toys, and we we all just kind of talk about for all mankind throughout the the season anyway. So it made sense to to get together and discuss it, and uh, had a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. It's a little bit over an hour long, so um, if everything goes well, subscribers will have that in their feed already. <laughs> and if everything doesn't go well, everyone will have it in their feed. <laughs> so uh, we'll we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully that went well. Um, and when anyway, I have watched it, or maybe we'll do a little like update follow up somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's that's my fan review is, is there. Uh, next up, we've got the Studio Display, which which I'm using. We talked <laughs> about it last week. <laughs> we talked about it last week because of what I was having that issue where the microphone was doing AM radio instead of uh, modern <laughs> connection. And the style. story of the week was everybody's having speaker problems where the speakers weren't working. And yeah, that was, out. that was output. Mine was input, I guess, so a little yeah. bit different. But uh yeah, like I'd say, right after we recorded, like we we recorded earlier that morning than usual, and then right afterwards at lunchtime, there was this firmware update that was released, which is the same version number but a different build number, so it's still fifteen point five. For whatever it's, reason, what did they call it? iOS fifty iOS fifteen release two or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, it's fifteen point five release two. Yeah, yeah, and it's like in terms of build numbers, it's like only like a like three. Yeah, it's only like three higher. letters along, so they. I haven't yeah. done much to it. What what I presume this means is that it's meant to be feature parity with the fifteen point five that came out, you know, three mm-hmm. months ago, and they just had like one bug fix that that had caused an issue with audio or something. Yeah, That's makes what sense. Because everyone keeps like hammering on. Oh, the Apple Studio Display firmware updates are like because it runs iOS, they're paired to the I- the iOS version. It's like no, they're not. They can o- they- only if they <laughs> do it. Only if they want to, but they yeah. they can release more. Like, it's a completely separate, like, chain. It's the same with the HomePods, right? They can do dedicated updates only available on HomePods or dedicated updates only available on the Studio Display. Or, as they've done, is uh, they've done two firmware updates this entire year for the Studio Display, and they didn't even bump the version number. So, you know, normal iOS on 15.6, but the Studio Display is still running 15.5, build, bloody blah, 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 blah. So, they, you know, there's no, like, they don't have to be in tandem. That's just how they numbered it. But anyway, it shows that... I, the, we, I mean, when, when they did the um, camera update... Mm-hmm. 
uh, we said like that's probably the last film I'd ever receive, and <laughs> that's not quite true because he has now got this one. But like, I don't think the plan is for them to do regular updates to the studios. But everyone freaked out because it's got an A13 chip inside it, and like, oh, it's going to be so powerful as like a standalone monitor thing. Like, no, that's not that's not what's happening. At least on the first version, they might do a second version of display that is more independent. But this one isn't going to ever do that because it doesn't have like Wi-Fi or Bluetooth like built into it or anything. So there's no real way for it to be like a truly independent screen. So the firmware update process is there for bug fixes, and so far we've had two rounds of bug fixes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So really, it's version one point zero, one point one, one point two, one point two. We're on. Go with that. Uh, next up, we've got an iPad rumor, iPad Pro rumor. Uh, this one is about a new four-pin connector on the top and bottom sides of the iPad Pro, and that sounds weird. What does that mean? Yeah. So the Obviously, the iPad Pros right now have a three-pin connector on them. On one side, that's the smart connector, which is where you plug in like the magic keyboard and it can do power and data over that without you having like a, to separately plug it in. It just like magnetically attaches to the bottom. That's the Apple accessory. And theoretically, there can be in a third-party ecosystem of smart connector accessories. And there was a couple, right? There was that like weird like stand thing that they did first time around. But- I liked it, yes. <laughs> but generally that's been like the only third party option it hasn't they haven't really blossomed an ecosystem out of that and i don't think apple's really tried to it's the the smart connector exists for apple's needs in terms of this is the accessory they're bringing out with the ipad pro this year so that we put the smart connector where we need it to be and we don't really care what anybody else is doing because no one else seems to show much interest in making that kind of stuff um so this is a four pin connector on the top uh, so this is the quote from makatakura and Makateka is a pretty good source, so, you know, I trust it. It says, new four-pin connectors on the top and bottom side edges. There's a slight ambiguity in, in that, because, I mean, Makateka is a Japanese website, so, you know, I'll let them off on language and stuff, but top and bottom side edges. So does that... What what counts as the top and bottom of an iPad? Is it the left and the right? Or is it the where the, you know, where the home button used to be and the other side, where the camera is? Like, I don't know what you count as top and bottom. I think, technically, the iPad Pro is still considered a portrait device first. Yeah. So the top and bottom would be the short just, sides. Just look at the back of the Apple logo. Yeah. The uh, but yeah. practically, people use the iPad Pro in landscape configuration, and so the side edges would be the left and right. So bit of a ambiguous take on the exact positioning. Um, okay. But the, the smart connectors on the long edge, right? The, the, like if you've got it in landscape, it's on the bottom because that's where the keyboard connects. It's on the back, isn't it? It's like it's like little dots on the back. Yeah, on the, the dots on the back, but nearer the bottom side. I think. Yeah. So yeah. if you if you imagine that's mirrored, then it's a landscape configuration. Who knows what this could be? It probably just means that the new iPad Pros will come with a new generation of Magic Keyboard, Smart Keyboard, Firmware, whatever that can do a bit more maybe or mm. maybe there's some other accessory they're going to connect to maybe you can do the other big rumor for this year's ipad pro update or the forthcoming ipad pro update is the wireless charging stuff and there's been several rumors about how originally apple was going to do the back all in glass or then they maybe are going to do the just the apple logo in the glass you know window for g charging and maybe all of those things are a bit too elaborate and what actually the rumor meant was just well now we've got these little pins on the top and bottom and you can snap on to a wireless charger there. And so it's more like, in obviously, all wireless charging is inductive charging. But you know what I mean? Like, rather than it being, you know, through a pad on a Qi charger, it just goes through these little dots on the top and bottom edges. Maybe that's where the 
wireless charging rumor came from. Hmm. The, the thing about accessories changing is, you know, uh, they, they've, they've moved the smart connector and kind of the design of it as well from the original iPad Pro where it was on the side to being on the back and, um, and, and you know, with that eliminated, you know, like you mentioned, that stand, the, the Logi stand, uh, which was like a, it, it was both to display it and it would also slowly charge it, but it was pretty slow. So it only made sense if it, the iPad always lived there. Um, with, with moving to the pens on the back, there was, you know, as, as you mentioned, there's never been a third party to, to work with that. So it's just only like one fewer than before. Um, but it, even with Apple's accessories, you, you, you'd hope that the two and $300 accessories work for my pad generation generation and moving this eliminates that. But if I'm not mistaken, hasn't also the camera bump size. Like, yep. There's, there's, there's been times where the smart keyboard, at least, you know, I'm not sure about the magic keyboard, but at least a smart keyboard. I think the the magic keyboard generation fitted the mm. generation after, but obviously the hole was just like a little bit off, a little bit off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and, and which obviously it... you see on iPhone cases as well. Like you can yeah. buy iPhone cases; the very next year they don't fit anymore. Like mm-hmm. I don't think Apple really cares about that. The other yeah. things that are on the sides of iPads is the Apple pencil holder. So. Yeah could possibly be a new apple pencil if you want a different option and maybe you can choose to magnetically attach it to the top or the bottom but right now the apple pencil is like not it is not dead as separate holes or separate pins it's just like one little stripe so that doesn't meet the definition just for not really sure if this is relevant but the the max magsafe charger cable connector thing is five pin if you look in the little hole uh this is four pin you know make it out of what you will uh but yeah. I think it basically probably just means the new iPad Pros, they're getting a bit of a design change. The keyboards may be getting some up, the, the keyboard accessories may be getting some of this go along with it. So Apple's like, well, now we need a pin here and here. And because the smart connector exists only for us, practically, we can just do what we want. And mm. if people want to upgrade their iPad, they'll also buy the extra $300 uh, brand new accessory if they want. If they don't, then tough luck, as we have shown many times in the past. Yeah, I think the way the accessory uh, situation has gone is the... Your 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 old iPad works with the new stuff because the camera, you know, it gets bigger and so the hole is just there. But if you've got one fitted for the old camera and then the new camera is bigger, then you're just out of luck on that. Um, and then this sounds like it's be an even more different situation. And you know, we'll judge it when it happens if it's correct. But uh, man, you know, you you buy a you buy a a MacBook Air and the keyboard is always attached. You can't take it off, but it always works too. And in this situation. You know, you've really got to match up keyboard and iPad, such you know, generation. So the, the big um, issue with Apple's iPad accessories, they're just too expensive. Like, oh, you sure, buy an iPad yeah. Pro and the keyboard, the Magic Keyboard dock, it's like that. That combined price is many hundreds of dollars more than the MacBook Air. It costs more than basic iPads do to have the the accessories in some yeah. situations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the keyboard case for the twelve point nine is more expensive than the three twenty nine baseline iPad. Like. It's just crazy situation. If if the if the iPad Pros came with the keyboard accessory, the pricing would be a lot more reasonable, like the nine ninety nine price points. I think like it'd be a lot more compelling. Um, yeah, and they keep adding features that require the accessories, not require, but like a lot of the productivity features kind of now expect. Like Apple expects a lot of these people to have keyboards for keyboard shortcuts, or you have Apple Pencil if you're doing the drawing stuff. So like the the baseline iPad price is deceptive in a way, you know. Yeah, yeah, and the whole the whole smart connector thing. I mean, that, that's largely from 
the Microsoft Surface and what they do, you know, which was before the iPad Pro where you had, you know, a, a bad tablet attached to a, you know, a detachable keyboard and, and trackpad. And Apple's eventually gotten a lot closer to what that original thing from Microsoft has been all along. And I don't think Microsoft has changed that approach. I mean, I guess it's always, maybe it always pairs by generation with what tablet and what accessories. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what this ends up looking like. It's kind of fun when it's vague enough that we're unsure exactly what it will even look like, much less what it means. Uh, but this is the, the first clue of it. Happy Hour is sponsored this week by Helix Sleep. Helix Sleep provides tailored mattresses based on your unique sleep preferences. They learn what you like through the Helix Sleep quiz. And now, Zach, did this what uh, did the quiz about, what, two years ago now? Do you just want to talk a little bit about the quiz and how you like the mattress? Yeah, it's been a few iPad generations ago since I took the quiz. Uh, what I recall from it is that it was very easy to do. I wasn't quite sure what to expect. You know, what questions can you ask to help know what mattress you would prefer? Uh, but only a few questions to ask. It's all the right relevant questions. And what I ended up with was the Helix Midnight Mattress. And, you know, like you mentioned, I've been using it for a couple of years now. And it's still impressive. I mean, it impresses me every night, but it impresses, uh, like, I had family over this past weekend. And both my brother and my mom were like, wow, this is really comfortable when they came to, like, lay in my room you know it's just like chat for a second and i kind of felt bad that you know my other mattresses were not this one so it, it raises the bar for what you expect and i i love mine sleep on it every single night and i miss it when i'm not with it <laughs> the helix lineup includes 14 different mattresses to choose from like soft and firm models luxury models a mattress for big and tall sleepers and even one made for kids and they also have models with enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night perfect for these hot summer days so how do you choose what will work best for you and your body you just have to take the helix sleep quiz and find your perfect mat perfect mattress in under two minutes and your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door free of charge helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home so that's why they also offer a 100 night risk-free trial try out your new helix mattress see how your body adjusts and how much you like sleeping on it but if it's not the best fit, you can return it within 100 days for a full refund. Their mattresses are American-made and also come with a 10- or 15-year warranty, depending on the model. And if you need more convincing, Helix has been awarded the number one best mattress pick by GQ and Wide Magazine and has over 12,000 five-star reviews from happy customers. So just go to helixsleep.com slash 9to5mac, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress to give you the best sleep of your life. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for happy hour listeners. So go to helixsleep.com slash 9to5mac now. That's spelled H-E-L-I-X-S-L-E-E-P dot com slash 9to5mac. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Thanks to Helix for sponsoring the show. All right. Next up, we have iOS 16 beta 5, which you uh, teased at the beginning. Well, we, we, we man, I don't even tease at the beginning of the podcast. We talked about it earlier, at least. Listeners know. I'm lost. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> we had two takes in the opening. I'd say that. Uh, but there's, there's, there's some changes there. The biggest thing to, that has taken the news this week has been the battery percentage icon um, that was removed in the iPhone 10, which is the best iPhone ever. And uh, as a permanent thing, you can display and it's only in certain situations displayed. Well, all of these years later, Apple has gone back to the drawing boards and how they can include that. And they have. And it isn't a slam dunk for everyone. It's also kind of controversial in that people have a lot of opinions and, and different opinions about it. 
Uh, what, do, what do you have to say for this, Mayo? The the amount of ink written about this, used to write about this has been kind of overwhelming. I think I did like two tweets about it, and they're some of like the, my most highest engagement tweets of the entire year. It's like crazy. Yeah. Uh, and they weren't even like, when I say engagement, I don't mean you know, there's like loads of retweets on them because I've had a couple of those that have been like over a thousand. But like in terms of replies, I got like a hundred replies from these tweets, like with well, I like it in this way, but I don't like it in this way. And maybe they should do this. And we've seen, what, like a dozen different mock-ups of people trying to like do different mm-hmm. versions and stuff because for whatever reason, people don't really like the what Apple has gone with. Firstly, I'd say, who wants this? I don't know, but loads of people do because ever since the iPhone X got rid of the battery percentage, year on year on year, I hear everybody wants to know where's the battery percentage gone. What? All of my family members... Yeah. They update. Yeah. They were updating. They were transitioning from like you know a home buttoned iPhone to a notch iPhone over the last three or four years, and undutably, I'd get the question, "Where's the percentage? Why isn't it in the corner?" And I'd be yeah. like, "Well, there's not enough space. You have to swipe down to see it in control center." And they're like, "That's stupid. Why can't they just put the percentage up there?" And I sure. go, "I don't know." And yeah. well, this is <laughs> replicated all over the place by so many different people. Yeah. Who wants it is anyone who is used to it. I mean, if you never had it, then you just assume, well, you don't see it there. But if you ever get used to it, having it on a pre-iPhone 10 model, then that that's who wants it, you know. Uh, <laughs> not, but not everyone who's had it, obviously, but but enough people that that's who and why. Yeah. And like, I agree that turning it off is less annoying. I like, because what also has happened in the more recent iPhone version since the notches is the iPhone battery life has got a lot better. So you don't have to pixel peep the bar as much to be worried about if the phone's going to last you. Obviously, there are outliers and some people use their phones loads and still drain the batteries. But like for me, in the olden days, you know, iPhone 6 days and stuff, knowing the percentage was probably quite useful because I'd have to accommodate plugging it in sometime. But from the iPhone 11 series like onwards, the battery life's are like really, really good. And so percentages, exact percentages matter a lot less. What about um, the 12 mini and the 13 mini? Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. The, um, <laughs> but in general, I think the requirement to have percentages in practical terms has gone down. But in terms of like whether people like it or, not, or whether they feel comfortable by it being there or not, has, that demand has not gone away. People do want bad percentages. Your, yeah. Do you have it on your MacBook Pro? I, I do on my MacBook Air. No, I don't have it, the percentage. Even though the there. battery is really good, but... It, it, the the individual indicator is just meaningless to me in most situations unless it's all the way full or nearly gone. Like the difference in what sixty or forty looks like to me, which matters. Uh, I can't, I can't visually scan it, but but the the percentage is helpful for me. And so I have it displayed. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't blame anybody for having it on or off, right? I don't think it's purely like a personal preference thing. In my opinion, I don't need the percentage, so it was gone. It's like whatever. But if people want it, there's there's no slight against their, you know, human condition. It's just what people like. <laughs> Some people like to know the exact number. There you go. So what have they done? It took them five years. <laughs> it was it despite the ongoing like customer requests for this, it did not I was given up, you know, after three or four years of generations, especially when they went to like the 10s max size and the phones got even bigger, the notches got even bigger, and they still didn't do it. I was like, oh, they just they just don't want the percentage up there. They're making a philosophical choice. But then for whatever reason, not as part of iOS 16.0 or like the features of the iOS 16 like feature page, just in the slap bang, iOS 16 in beta 5, <laughs> suddenly now there's a battery percentage toggle. And for some people, it was on by default after update, after, after upgrading. So like you'd upgrade and immediately see the percentage. For me, it was it was not enabled by default. I don't know 
what determines that. Maybe based on personality. I think maybe it might be if you've carried your iCloud backup across from like your iPhone six where you did have the battery percentage turned on, maybe it somehow remember that saying all the way through and that's how it is there. Who knows? But anyway, for me, I yeah, you go and send and turn it on. And what Apple has done is if you turn it on, they issue the idea that the bar filled amount is gonna have any correlation to the char the percentage charge. If your battery's over twenty percent, it the, the the battery appears filled and in black text or transparent text technically, they write the number just in the gap. And clearly what they optimize for is make the text as big as possible. Because even though they have basically made the text as big as it can be, despite being in the rectangle of the battery icon glyph, it is still very, very small in practice because the status bar is not very big. And they have done all they can to maximize how big it is, and yet it's still very, very small. So when I'm, I've been using the battery percentage option for the last couple of days to try it out, you really have to squint. And, you know, I wear glasses now and stuff. I have pretty good vision again. And... The, the text is really small, so you really have to look to see what the number is. And keep that in mind, because a lot of these mock-ups go to elaborate lengths to try and get the filled bar concept back, and they, like, you know, 50% opacity or different colours overlaying the labels and, you know, maybe sh- making the text smaller so the, the, the battery filled percentage can fit to the side. Like, all of these options that I've been inundated with on Twitter and stuff the last few days I think have a one crucial issue, which is that the text is always harder to read. And now maybe there is a design out there that is better than what Apple's done. Maybe they'll tweak it a bit more in future papers. Who knows? But I don't think any of these... I haven't seen one of these concepts and been like, why didn't Apple do it that way? I can. I think Apple's prioritized above anything else, make the, te- the, the number of the percentage number as big as possible so that as many people can read it as possible. That's what they've gone for. And none of these other concepts help that legibility because they as soon as you start overlapping elements uh, on a thing that is that small it becomes harder to read and what the so what apples does is it is completely filled battery until you get below 20 when you go below 20 the text goes to the side of it and there's now a bar in red on the left to indicate that you're in a lower battery environment um but at no point does the text and the bar overlap each other so you just have plain text on a background and that's all that you always have. All of these other concepts that happen online, they look really pretty and they're kind of clever, but they all have an issue where the text overlaps other elements, readability is impaired. The one where there is Apple's different states, four different states of example, and then three more below it, it was like a seeing eye chart for me where I can read the top line and then it gets more and more difficult with each cooler looking design below um, so I, I even kind of tested on my display. I just, just made the window smaller. And as it grew smaller, I could only read the top one, which is the most functional one. Um, but I'm, I'm, my only kind of design issue with this is, is just maybe it's, I think it may be a beta behavior, but, um, it, it's that when you have it on your home screen and you pull down on control center, it goes from the, the more bloated looking battery with the text inside it for the percentage to the old style, which is smaller, it's a smaller battery glyph with with the text beside it, and so that inconsistency, which I would guess is from my guess is that's a, that's a beta issue, but um, it look it doesn't look nice to go back and forth. I think you know if <laughs> I think you make it, it match, it, be consistent. Yeah, I I, I mm. will say the percentage text in Control Center 
is like twice the font size of the little version you get in the glyph. So mm. maybe it's intentional. And the idea is that if you're pulling down, you're going to see the, the number and even, you know, bigger text, bigger font. Yeah. Um, we'll see what happens in the later betas. Yeah. yeah. Similarly, I expect that a version of the battery percentage option will arrive on the iPhone 12, iPhone 10, iPhone uh, 13 mini, the 10R, and the iPhone 11, which currently lack it. You think uh, so? You don't think there's any any uh, text or pixel limitation there that they're on the ten R on the on the eleven? I don't think so. Okay, I think I think they can fit it on on the minis. I guess it'd be slightly smaller, but they're, they're smaller. The but they're this, smaller. It's smaller, but it's the same. Like like everything's resolution. the same. Din- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the well, th- yeah. it's the same effective resolution, but all the pixels are like physically smaller, so the yeah. text would be smaller. But they have the density to write out so i think it'll turn up for what i don't I, mean, I, I couldn't give you a, a firm reason why it's not there now but i don't think i don't think that's a design concern yeah before this became you know the, the big hoopla that it became this past week um my, my first kind of just joke take which was half serious was you know i could see this becoming an iphone 14 pro exclusive in that this is what they use when they have more space from the um the notch becoming a pill and hole punch. And so then you've got a little bit more room to work with up there. They don't want to go all the way back to the full percentage written out because that is longer, but that they would use this for that. Um, but there's no indication that this is like an accident or anything. I even saw someone from Apple on Twitter say, oh, it looks like everyone found the, the battery icon in this week's beta. So it doesn't seem to be an accident, um, which, you know, well enough. Cool. Yeah. I don't think this has anything to do with the iPhone 14 stuff. It's a funny joke, but like, I think s- Whoever in the higher echelons of the design department didn't like the idea of bringing the percentage back or didn't find a way to do it, they just randomly this year were like, hey, we could do it like this, and this is pretty nice, so we'll just do it, you know? And that's how it slipped in there in a random, like, off-cycle, off-schedule kind of way. Yeah, also, I haven't looked back, but I'm sure there's got to be when the iPhone X came out like dozens of design oh yeah people did the 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 one that people get that really annoying not annoying but like the one that people keep coming up as like this is the solution is what android do because what android do is they a lot of android phones they have a vertical battery glyph so it doesn't Mm. take up as much width and then they just write the number right next to it Mm -hmm. that's what that is okay (laughs) so that's an option it would fit Mm -hmm. in the gap maybe it wouldn't Mm -hmm. look as pretty and not clearly you know these ideas uh, it's not like Apple was like oblivious to the entire landscape of how they could write a percentage in a battery icon together, right? And for the last five yeah. years. So they've considered these options. They've made a choice. I don't have anything like offensively to say that that was the bad choice. There's been so many mock-ups alternatives because, yeah, there are a lot of ways to lay it out. But I think you can see what priorities Apple went with in I, I, the yeah. way they've moved forward. I will shout out our, our, our friend uh, Parker Ortolani who had uh, just a much more different shake on all the, how this could all look. And it was that like you could fit four, two on either side, circular gauge complications, and that that's how you displayed this. Um, and one of them, you know, was a battery in the shape of a circle, like the battery's widget. And that, that one was interesting. Again, it's all very small of a space, but like, you know, he, he at least mocked it up on, on the context of an iphone um which made me think you could do a lot of things in circles like like uh your, your stat your signal status that kind of thing but yeah that's a lot, lot of ideas but that i think at the end of the day the, the most exciting thing is that mid beta there was this whole big thing to look at that wasn't about stage manager or something <laughs> yeah like stage man and you can critique the design very fairly because there are a lot of places where it's unfinished or works weird and confusing this is just like 
someone ultimately had to make a choice. They made a choice. I can understand why they made the choice. And assuming it comes to the random devices not currently there on, I can't have anything to like, you know, raise a pitchfork over. You know what I mean? What was also randomly new in Beta 5 is they added a visualizer to the now playing tile on the lock screen. So, you know, on that, like, where what, what kind of looks like the live activity thing with the little platter and they put the music mm. in there. And now you can have the album art in the square if you want to, or in the in, in the in the rounded rectangle. Well, on Beta Five, to they cut off a bit of the like song name and song title. So on the right, there's a very very small visualizer where you have like five bars, and the bars move up and down in correlation in in, in response to the currently playing music. So it's a live visualizer, but it's just very small on the lock screen only. You like this, don't you? I mean, I think it's cool, but also I'm like, why did they do it? <laughs> like, on the lock screen, like in the music app, they if you're playing a song, the way it indicates that that's the currently playing song in the list is it puts a little visualizer onto the left, right? Sure, yeah. But that visualizer is just a f- canned animation. It's not the bars don't relate to the actual music, uh, but the one on the lock does. screen now does. Ah. Uh. So I think they should use the the kind of style on the lock screen in the actual music app. Because that would make sense. Why have they put a visualizing lock screen that's two pixels tall? I'm not really sure. Like it, 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 it obstructs space for the song title and artist name, so that has to be more truncated. It has to scroll more, right? And you just get a nice little animation lock screen. I guess. I mean, it's kind of cool, but it also kind of feels a bit superfluous. And well, all, no. all this comes out from wanting to tweak the way that the lock screen looks, which is the big feature of iOS 16. And so everything from the battery to now playing is getting a little bit more attention and. This is the, the season of paying attention to those things and, and tweaking them while you're in there, I guess. One theory someone tweeted me about the visualizer was that they want to show off the always-on display on the iPhone, the newer iPhones. So there's like some moving element when you're playing music. But my expectation is that the always-on mode is going to be at one hertz refresh rate, just like the Apple Watch is. And I don't think a one hertz visualizer, i.e. only updates once every, you know, second, second kind of yeah. makes sense. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, on the Apple Watch, they're very aggressive about only changing things like um, the minute. (laughs) (laughs) The second hand is gone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It always on mode. Um, Some other interesting stuff in Beta 5. The TV app has a new feature, which is always nice to shout out because it's so (laughs) desperately needed in pretty much every dimension. But this feature is the uh, default language option. So in settings TV now, you can choose your preferred audio language that all the content you watch in the TV app will use if it's available so for for most people that's going to be english right Um, well if you're english English speaking if you're english speaking right yeah i don't know for most yeah to be that's a fair point right (laughs) (laughs) Um, and it defaults to auto so auto means default or original language so this only comes up if you're watching like all of our tv plus content for instance is dubbed and subtitled into you know 16 different languages or something but if you went into let's say something that was natively in Korean Japanese, that is Pachinko. So that's one of their drama series that came out this year. Before this version, it wasn't very clear like how you would actually listen to the undubbed version of that content, even though that's like how Apple wants you to view it. So, so, so like on, on Netflix, for example, what I know is that if I'm watching something and it's um dubbed in English by default, I can I can choose from the Apple TV menu on that video player that I can turn captions on and off. I can choose the language for captions, I believe. And then the last option is you can choose the language of the audio that you have. And so I'm used to that. But is this saying that rather than 
rather than choose. So tell me, is, it, is this saying that if it was uh, if it's English dubbed over Spanish speakers, would it just use Spanish or would it always use English? So it will follow the. You can always customize it in the in the video player, right? Yeah. But the issue was in the old way it was it was listed the video the old like setting in the in the video player menu it didn't make it clear which was the original audio track. Okay. So I it see. would default to English, which is dubbed, which people don't want. But okay. then they wouldn't know how to actually take the dubbing away because <laughs> it's like yeah, the, the like TV Plus has what sixteen different you know dubbings, so they'd just be a yeah. massive list of dubbing I options. Be like, yeah. do I click Korean or do I click Japanese? Because Pachinko is actually in both Japanese and Korean. But to get oh. the undubbed version, you had to specifically choose the Korean audio track. Yeah, yeah. So it's very because convoluted bad, and stupid. Bad dubbing can ruin a drama or something. Mm-hmm. You know, you're watching mm-hmm. and it's like. These sound comically goofy and like you can even with subtitles on it's a big distraction. And so for me, I like to just listen to it in the native speaking language and then read the the, the captions. I kind of like captions on any way. Yeah. yeah so, so now this process is way better on this beta. So cool. you can choose your default audio language and it defaults to auto, which means like the original language of the content. So you open Pachinko, it's going to be in the original language, no dubbing at all by default, if that's what you want. If you're a person who's like, I only ever want to listen to something in English, you can change your default audio language to English. Everything mm-hmm. you click on will play in English, either English if that's the source audio of the content or the English dub version. And when you go into the audio menu, if you want to customize it for that particular thing you're watching, the original track very clearly now says original next to it. So you know which one to click nice. on. So it's a nice I, improvement. Yeah, Cool. I understand now. I like that. Another random thing that in Beta 5 is they have updated the Find My Sound for the iPhone. So if you... Can you, can you imitate it? No. <laughs> but it, it like the old the old find my sound was like so this is the same sound you get if you like ping your phone from your apple watch that, yeah, that, that noise, ding, right? ding, ding. yeah it was just like this one's more like that's kind of the imitation i'll give you it's cool it's more like syncopatic like the there's more sharpness it the old one was very like almost like like a like a continuous like symmetric sonar wave and i'm terrible mm-hmm. at describing music but this new one feels a bit more like jagged and uneven and i i i think it sounds a bit cooler and more modern and secondly i actually think it might have a functional use in that because the like the individual like notes are more different it makes it easier to find out where the phone is in the room because a problem i have with the the old phone sound is like my brain couldn't like locate it i don't know why it's like because it like echoed evenly to every part of the room you wouldn't really know where you meant to turn your head sometimes it was like weirdly confusing in that way this one because it's a bit more asymmetric and like random it feels like you got your brain can kind of lock onto the position a bit more at least maybe that's just placebo but it did feel that way so there might actually be a functional difference there and finally another random change in this beta which is also pretty appreciated if you take a screenshot now and you press the done button on that like modal window that comes up when you take the screenshot and you click on the thumbnail. Well, now when you press done, one of the options in the list is copy and delete. So before you'd have to like do the share sheet and then you press done, you press delete, you press delete screenshot. Now you can do copy and delete, which is probably a very common action for people that are taking screenshots. And basically you press copy and delete. It doesn't save the screenshot to your photo library, so you don't get the clutter. And it's just on your clipboard for you to immediately paste into another application. Yeah, so before you would have the option of save or delete, and what you would probably do, like practically do in that use case is copy and then tap done and mm-hmm. then say save or delete. And now you can, you know, you'll, you'll have to rework your, your muscle memory, but you can remind yourself, oh, I don't have to do the copy anymore. I can just say done, then copy and delete. So 
it's definitely a good change and it's clever and it's based it's one of those things that just seems to be so obviously based on use case um where before it was logical but in this case it's quicker once you once you know how it works so yeah that's kind of iris 16 beta 5 a lot of random stuff but pretty good in, <laughs> pretty pretty good mid, pretty, yeah, pretty good mid, mid cycle or late cycle <laughs> beta version yeah and i think either the the next beta will, will probably start going to weekly releases because like iOS 16 is coming out in September. It's already August 11th. So if you wait another two weeks for beta 6, after that, it'll be one per week because that's when they kind of lock down to just like here's some features. Not, sorry, basically no new features. We're just doing bug fix and refinements until it ships. Okay. Happy Hour This Week is also brought to you by ZocDoc. Sushi, if you're a fan of it, then you love it. But like gas station sushi not so much finding the right sushi restaurant makes all the difference the same goes for finding the right doctor with zocdoc you can find the right doctor for you that's in your network and in your neighborhood one that makes you feel like you're in good hands that you're supported and that you're being heard even if you're telling them about your favorite sushi place zocdoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient reviewed take your insurance and are available when you need them go to zocdoc.com happy hour to get the app and sign up for free ZocDoc has thousands of providers listed in one application. You can find every type of specialist, whether you're trying to straighten your teeth, fix an achy back, get that mole checked out, or anything else, ZocDoc has got you covered. And the app is super simple to use. Search, find, and book doctors in just a few tabs. You can instantly read up on doctors in your area and see what real humans had to say about their visit with verified patient reviews. Just go to ZocDoc.com, choose a time slot, and select whether you want to see the doctor in person or via video visit. So now when you walk into that doctor's office, you're all set to see someone in your network who gets you. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc. It's the go-to place whenever you need to find and book a quality doctor. So go to ZocDoc.com slash happy hour and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. Once again, that's ZocDoc.com slash happy hour, spelled Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash happy hour. Thanks to ZocDoc for sponsoring the show we are also sponsored this week by pillow more and more studies are showing that getting a good night's sleep improves your health and well-being in more ways than you can imagine and pillow is an all-in-one sleep tracking app to help you be more aware of your sleep patterns and discover what might be affecting your sleep quality pillow tracks and analyzes your sleep automatically and you can check in with a full report of your sleep the very next morning if you have an apple watch tracking your sleep is as easy as wearing it to bed and if you don't, you can do it through the iPhone or iPad application. Just tap a button to start your sleep session. You can even record sounds of the night like sleep talking, apnea, or other noises that might be affecting how you sleep. And use the Pillow app to check trends, get personalized insights, and compare your sleep metrics with your weight, steps, caffeine consumption, and more. And use smart alarms to get woken up at the most optimal time, aiming to wake you up when you're in a stage of lightest sleep. And importantly, Pillow is privacy-minded. All of your sleep and audio data is encrypted and stored on your device and in iCloud using end-to-end encryption. Pillow is free to download from the App Store with a set of features that you can use for free every single day. And try Pillow's premium features with a seven-day trial. Just visit pillow.app to get started. That's pillow.app to get started. Thanks to Pillow for sponsoring the show. Hey, me, I'm back uh, again with uh, Ming-Chi Kuo, who has... Uh, few details about airpods and iphone 14 so uh first up is airpods uh the next model coming and how the charging port situation will work out over the next couple of years so what's that yeah so do you remember there was that like 
leak from 52 Audio a couple of weeks back, and they said that it had a USB-C port on the AirPods next generation. They did say that. And there was another report about USB-C on the bottom, and like kind of unclear whether they're going to get USB-C this year, but but kind of made sense because every other device that Apple is doing is moving to USB-C, but the iPhone isn't expected to move to USB-C until next fall, so not this year, the year after. And generally, Apple's accessories match the port of the iPhone, so it wouldn't make sense for AirPods to go to USB-C until the iPhone does. What Quo reports is going to happen, and obviously Quo is probably the most reliable of any of these leakers, is that Apple will release the AirPods Pro 2 in the second half of 2022 with a standard lightning charging case, as you would expect. But then, in 2023, alongside the iPhone, they'll also release updated charging cases with a USB-C connector instead for all AirPod models, not just the AirPods Pro 2. So this is very similar to what happened when they added wireless charging, right? They had, like, the you get the old generation of AirPods, but with the new case. And yeah. Move along. And so they're going to do that again this year. You'll probably get Lightning Case in the full, and then a year later, they'll just swap them out with USB-C ports instead. Yeah, yeah. This sounds like it's been said before. I don't remember, but it, this is sort of like what I expected was that we, we, you know, only once the iPhone 15 goes to USB-C do we start to see it. Other accessories make that same change. Yeah, that's what we said was logical, but some of the rumors are like, no, this the next AirPods Pro 2 case is going to have USB-C on the bottom. Yeah. Like, mm. the, f- the 52 audio one, though, I remember like when I wrote the story on that for 95 Mac, I did not repeat the claim that it would look that it was USB-C because mm-hmm. from what I could see, it was like, you can't tell. <laughs> and I think we discussed on this on this show as well, like, they say that, do we see that? Don't know. Don't think yep. so, but... Yeah, cool, cool. So stick with us. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> We're always right. We never get anything wrong. Yeah, and I, you know, USBs. Well, Air- AirPods Pro two. You know, that's that's the AirPods Pro are the ones I like. You know, as well as AirPods Max. Um, second version. Will I buy those? Certain, Sh- certainly. Uh, when they come out with a new case that's just the case on its own, like they did before with wireless. Uh, well, yeah, I'll buy that too. Just like I, <laughs> just like I bought. You know, well. I misplaced and then replaced uh, the AirPods Pro one with the original case to the MagSafe case, which is wireless charging to a little bit different kind of wireless charging. Uh, I end up, I I find a way. So yeah. Oh yeah, I'll, I forgot they did the MagSafe version as well. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't use it with MagSafe, but it it can MagSafe if I wanted to. So, <laughs> I'm I mean, kind of sad that the yeah. and this isn't news of any description, but like the consensus now is AirPods Pro two will look the same as. AirPods Pro One, like I'm not sad about that. It's been three know? years. It's been Unless three they years. Color. <laughs> three years, like they could go a bit more stemless, you know, like all yeah, the, it, yeah. Because the AirPods Pros kind of look a bit old, I think. They don't look old. They they don't look old to me. The the AirPods second gen that they continue to sell those look those look those look, those look old. But uh, I, I mean, maybe stemless would be good. But you know, whatever. I always get the name wrong. Is it color. the Studio Buds or the Beats Fit Pros? Whatever ones don't have Fit, stems. Fit Pros are the ones that there's now three skin tone uh, versions from Kim Kardashian. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that that's the those are Fit Pros with a little little wingtip. Beats and then it, Beats Studio have Buds, their flaws, but you cannot complain about their choice of colors. It's nope, like you want a color, they've got it. Yeah, they I, will I, update I, color. They <laughs> didn't they do a Beats X new color very recently as well? Like. They just well, update anything with colors. It's like Beats, Fle- Beats Flex now, but yeah, I'm Beats well Flex, versed. In the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm well versed in the in the in the Beats Beats universe. Yeah, but, you're down on uh, the Beats colorways. Meanwhile, yeah. Apple's like AirPods white only. 
Apart yeah. from if you buy the yeah. $550 AirPods Maximum, we'll actually give you some decent colors, but not on the cheaper, not on the actual. Well, decent, you know, Space Gray, there's not Midnight yet. That, that'll happen, but um, what are the other ones? So, so Beats Fit Pro, and then what are the ones you named? The, Studio the Buds. Studio Buds, there you go. Yeah, those the are the Studio ones Buds are the stemless ones. They're like that's, the what, cool that's what you want that is considered like Avengers style, you know, like your Captain America with your earpiece talking to Black Widow. You know? I think they look more modern than the AirPods Pro designs. Yeah, I think they did too, but I think also if you had black, you know, Apple could do black AirPods Pro in the same way, <laughs> early colors, and it would look more modern than... than oh, if they know, do black, I'd 100% buy them. <laughs> yeah, well, they'll do midnight. It'll be blue in certain light, but black in other light, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about the Kim Kardashian colors, but black, 100%, I'm on, I'm on, yeah. I'm on board with that. Yeah, I got my first little chip off my, my midnight MacBook Air this week. Ooh, does it look bad? Mm-mm, no, it looks. Okay. I mean, I have I have a midnight colored iPhone 13 as well, and it's got a uh, much much bigger chip in it. But uh, it's the same. It's the same. You know, silver <laughs> underneath there. Uh, and I've only got a little bit of. Uh, now that I've been using like my my MacBook Air with the dis- display a lot, a little bit of the silver coloring from the USB C port, Thunderbolt port, where I'm I'm blindlessly trying to connect the the thing into the port. You know, where it's not where MagSafe is. It's next to that or the other one. So, yeah. Anyway, I did that yeah. Anyway, <laughs> go go out and get the. Uh, yeah, that was, that was the Kim Kardashian news came right after the. Uh, you know, the, with the Beats the, the collaboration, right after the Pete Davidson breakup. So I'm I'm all up to date on this stuff. Right, you are you are on the beat. The Can Kim tell you, yeah. yeah. Just like Quozon, you know, with with what's coming in the next products. Uh, the other thing being the iPhone 14 Pro. This was pretty interesting because I think it was. It's kind of late and. You know, hadn't been mentioned before, but yeah, unexpected. The, yeah. the price of the iPhone 14 Pro, Quo says that there'll be, you know, they call it a price hike. So we already know that the price of an iPhone 14 family, you know, series phone, family of phone, will be more because they're getting rid of the the mini that was the 12 mini, the 13 mini, which is cheaper than the you know standard model because it's, it's smaller and less. Uh, we know that you know that gone. You go from what six ninety nine to seven ninety nine for the, the the entry model, mm-hmm. um, and and then we also you know you know they're going to do a max version or plus version of that with that's not pro. Well, that'll be maybe nine hundred dollars or so. But um, what Quo's saying is that the iPhone fourteen Pro uh, and presumably Pro Max that those will cost more. Which the starting price there is nine ninety nine and ten ninety nine. And they also did that carrier situation where it. I think what was it if you bought it. For a carrier, but didn't activate. I don't know. They, they they did a weird thing where they managed to raise the price by like thirty bucks, sort of, but not in most cases. In this case, sounds like there's just going to be a price raise, like maybe by fifty bucks or a hundred bucks. I don't know, but um, he, he didn't say more. He just said price hike, and that's that's news to all of us. Yeah, like how much more is it going to be? <laughs> like, because you also have to remember is that the like what are we expecting new on the iPhone line this year. So you're gonna have new chip, but that's Pro models only. You can have yeah. always on display pro models only, camera upgrades, and then the whole punch notch thing that isn't a notch, you know. It's not a crazy year, I don't think. Are we, are we on the 48 megapixel main camera? That oh, yeah, that's coming. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That is, yeah. that is supposedly coming. But yeah. again, that's I think that's going to be pro only. Oh, oh, for sure. Yeah. So, the, new features the, so the base model 14s, the only new feature is that they're going to do a big one. <laughs> Yeah. So you can have the same A15 chip in them. Um, and the standard iPhone, like, you know, if you just want the iPhone, then the iPhone 14 will be that. 
Will it be an upgrade from the 13? Don't know, really. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there are some like, minor if, camera improvements and stuff. Yeah. But it's not. If you're already to upgrade, it's ready for you. That's the, that's that's what that phone's for this year. Yeah, and and I wouldn't part like we're joking, obviously, but like the iPhone 14 Max, the bigger, small, what the bigger normal price one, that's gonna be yeah. really popular because people love big screens. So well, any way they can bring the bigger phone down to a, a cheaper price is really good. So yeah, and but, we don't know what that will cost. You know, we I think we've seen differences in pricing of like 100 and 150 so you could see you could see that being 800 and 900 but then go up to 1050 for the pro and there's there's also been talk i think i'm not quite sure how you know how much of this is gonna gonna end up shaking out but um there's there's been at least like like rumors about or talk about the the base storage being the lower one going away what is the storage option for it's the 128 13? is the lowest you got 128, 256, 512, one terabyte now. So you've got four options for the Pro. And so it could be that Apple is eliminating that, that 128 option. Um, and, and then you just have 256, 512, one terabyte, which fits the more you know you, typical thing where you've got just three storage options. Um, one terabyte, that's a, that's, that's a lot for, you know, that was a lot for a phone. But as you're doing all this, this video work, you know, it's got uh, use cases. If, if you're buying these for the video functionality, um, yeah, so right so, now the the iPhone 13 Pro is 999 128 gigabyte, 1099 256 gigabyte. So what's the what's the carrier situation? What's that? You know, I'm not making that up, right? Like they, they I, was that only on the 12? I can't see that. On the, I'm looking at the web page and I can't see the 30 dollar discount, but they do kind of hide it away. So yeah, it might yeah. still be it might still be there if you try and buy unlocked. It's probably they, all hidden. You know, yeah. they remember <laughs> we talked about they changed the iPhone checkout page thing. Now it's mm-hmm. it's more confusing. So I uh, sure yeah. I can't actually work out. Okay, so on the I think on the pro models they never did it. It was only on the okay the cheap one. Like the so now it's the pro's one. phone to get that that tweak <laughs> or, or maybe a bigger only. tweak on yeah, all. Yeah, so, yeah. So so I've ch- I was told you, on iPhone 13 and iPhone 13 mini, if you don't connect to a carrier, you buy the unlocked version. It's thirty dollars more, so it's eight twenty nine for the base model iPhone 13 yeah. compared to seven ninety nine. Wow. Cool. The pros are nine ninety nine flat, so there's no thirty dollar funky business yeah. there. Yeah, cool. So I could very easily see them go to ten forty nine, mm-hmm. which is in between the one twenty eight and two fifty six gigabyte price today. Slap a two fifty six storage in it, which we know is high margin for them, right? It doesn't cost them mm-hmm. the whole hundred dollars, so you're effectively getting a higher margin product, but you'll feel slightly better about it because you're getting more storage for the for your money. So. I can see the pros starting at ten fifty, no problem at all. Remember, we're in a context of high inflation, component costs are more expensive, all this stuff. So, and I'm sure Apple's want like Apple making their money. Don't worry about that. But like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, they wouldn't put. The, I don't think they put the price up from the, if they didn't have to, but to to maintain their same profit margin. Do you see what I mean? So, like, given the economic climate, they'll put it up just enough so that they maintain their same, you know, thirty five percent margin or whatever it is. Um, and that's how they're positioning it, which is why they're not going to jump from nine ninety nine to ten ninety nine. So my prediction would be ten fifty uh, for iPhone thirteen Pro. Who knows what the Pro Max cost of uh, a fortune? But Who knows? that's where I would be imagine it lines up. And then on the smaller sizes, seven ninety nine. Which again, you're saying because obviously the AS, the average selling price will rise because no mini, which is six ninety nine. Uh, and then the the Max will probably be eight ninety nine. That'd be my guess. Yeah, eight hundred, nine hundred, thousand, fifty, thousand, one hundred fifty. Yeah, Roughly. something, something yeah. around that range. Ballpark. And cool. If if you want the new features this year, you'll be paying the the ten fifty and up price. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and the equivalent monthly price difference, I think, is you know between 
non-pro and pro usually is about twenty dollars and um if they change the price of the pro i think the difference will be about 50 cents or so like the, the price is so hidden now in the in the the way that they they sell the phones um you know the other now. reason why i think the price is gonna go up for sure because tim why? cook on the earnings call said they saw no slowdown in iphone demand <laughs> like they're not <laughs> like, they're not constricted on non-demand at the moment they're, 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 so. they're looking for a slowdown they're looking for a yeah yeah, and there was some report today as well that Apple's ordered the same number of iPhone 13, sorry, iPhone 14 production as iPhone 13, so around the 90 million number. They're not expecting a slowdown. They're expecting to match it. And assuming all this is correct, they'll be making more money per unit. So their overall profitability will be higher from the business. So they're going to be happy for sure. Shareholders. Shareholders. Finally this week, Happy Hour is brought to you by Collide. The challenge with endpoint security is that it has always been difficult to scale and that only and that has only got more challenging once remote work took over. How do you effectively manage remote employees' own devices? Well, you need visibility into the fleet of devices in order to meet security goals and reduce service desk tickets. But how do you get that visibility when different parts of your company are running different operating systems like Mac, Windows, and Linux? The answer is Collide. Get started at collide.com slash happy hour. Collide is an endpoint security solution that gives IT teams a single dashboard for all of their devices, regardless of their operating system. And it gives you real-time access to your fleet's data. It can do things traditional MDMs simply can't. And instead of installing intrusive agents to lock down devices, Collide takes a user-focused approach that communicates security recommendations to your employees directly through Slack. This is much more employee-friendly. All the things that enterprises make you install they're just so annoying and they get in the way but collide is trying to do it differently collide is the perfect balance you can answer every question you have about your fleet without intruding on your workforce visit collide.com slash happy hour to find out how that's collide with a k spelled k-o-l-i-d-e dot com slash happy hour and if you follow that link they'll hook you up with a goodie bag just for activating a free trial one more time that's collide.com slash happy hour thanks to collide for sponsoring the show. All right, a few more topics to round us out this week. Uh, first up is a report from uh, Bloomberg about how many companies companies Apple's been buying in the last few years and the, the, the pace of that. So what's that story? Yeah, so you, when we were talking about the earnings results, we focused on that quote where it sounded like Tim was more interested in M&A than maybe he had been in recent times, right? Like there was that difference in wording. Uh, Bloomberg had an interesting report this week which basically just summed up Apple's uh, published financials to see how much they've been spending on company acquisitions. Because you must remember, like, a couple of years ago, Apple was like, we acquire a small company every two to three weeks or something. You remember that? That was like their go-to line. Their, their non-denial, like, their, their way of confirming was Apple buys smaller companies from time to time. And yeah. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> well, in recent years, the time-to-time <laughs> duration has <laughs> widened greatly because in... Uh, in 2020, Apple spent $1.5 billion on buying companies. $1 billion of that was the Intel modem purchase, right? So, But still, that's $500 million on small company acquisitions in 2020. And that's about average to previous years, right? Uh, then in 2021, that fell to just $33 million. And, it, and in 2022, we're back up to $169 million. But those numbers are pretty small. And $33 million in 2021... Apple's only known acquisition in 2021 is Primephonic, which is going to power the forthcoming Apple Music Classical, classical music extension of Apple Music. Um, it's kind of unfathomable to think of any other company that's worth trillions of dollars. Their total M&A for the entire year is just 33 million. Like, any of these other companies, 
I mean, Amazon just bought iRobot, right? For which is the Roomba company for like 1.7 billion the other day. Yeah. Like, <laughs> for 2021, Apple only spent 33 million dollars the entire year on acquisitions. I just think that's crazy. And in 2022, and- uh, it's, uh, which is the first this fiscal year, so it's already nine months through 2022, 169 million. Like, yeah, they and and they can buy smaller companies without them having to be disclosed, right? And so there could be like like below a certain threshold companies that are just smaller, you know, but. I think the total number has to be reported, but they don't have to say what companies they bought. Okay. Because, like, the 33 million one is, like, low enough, I think, that they didn't technically have to announce it, but because they were shutting down the service, they announced it. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, but, like, that's crazy. Like, like when people talk about, you know, getting to these hype trains of, like, Apple buying Netflix, Apple buying Disney, like, you mm. have to contextualize it. This company has a leadership team that really hates buying anything. <laughs> like, yeah. But you really have to push them to buy something because... 33 million 2021 like that's not that's pe- absolute peanuts yeah. to them they, the they do year. stock buybacks and yeah, yeah they buy stock yeah, yeah. and <laughs> bloomberg um like says the drop-off might be because apple's worried about government scrutiny and antitrust and stuff and mm. maybe slightly but I, I think if you go over like the long arc of history they have they've never spent lots of money on acquisitions this is just kind of their culture right and the 33 million is like a weird outlier but in general, Apple does not like buying stuff. So if they do buy something big like Beats, it stands out because you know Beats is three billion dollars. That's yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, we talked about this, but if they do the NFL deal, that's an acquisition, uh, like priced deal for a year. So they're they're saving they're saving uh, this all for services. All yeah. <laughs> yeah. So deals. in fiscal twenty twenty, they spent one and a half billion on buying companies, right, for their entire yeah. business. Yeah. And presuming the NFL deal goes through, they'll spend twice that just on getting the rights for one year. <laughs> it's just ridiculously different metrics. Yes. Anyway, that's Apple's yeah. uh, corporate strategy in M&A. They don't like doing it. Yeah. Another, another report, I believe, from Bloomberg as well is about uh, Apple's podcast production uh, deal strategy that they've got going on with that. Yeah, and we've I've spoken to you about this on the show before where Apple's doing these original podcasts, you know, like the the hooked one and these are the podcasts that aren't like companions to the TV plus shows directly, like so they do like the problem with John Stewart podcast and the Four Mankind Companion podcast. Um these are like dedicated Apple original podcasts that are just stories, nonfiction descriptions, um, you know, short series that have no TV plus associating up front. But the idea is these are all um ordered by the TV plus division. Yeah. And so they have about five or six They've had like a Siegfried and Roy one. They've got another one starting uh, on Monday called Missed Fortune. It's about lost treasure. But all of these ones, they don't have any like TV plus connection right now. But the idea is that if the podcasts do well, Apple can basically use that as the IP to go and make the series. So like rather than spending hundred, because it's way cheaper to commission a you know six eight episode podcast than it is yes. to episode, you know a actual television because you know you can commission a whole one of these podcasts probably for like a million dollars each and one episode of a tv plus show you know is costing like 10 million like the difference in cost is crazy so apple's strategy here with original podcasts because again remember all these podcasts are not limited to the apple podcast app there's no exclusivity going on they don't put them behind a pay or anything and all they're doing is funding basically story creation and then using audio as like the test bed to see if people like the stories and if they really catch on they'll go and order a, a series or a film about it for, for apple tv plus um and then this week apple is con- expanding on that strategy with a investment into futuro studio who's won pulitzer prizes and stuff for their for their uh, podcast work 
the deal amount is somewhere in like the five million dollar range but basically the deal is futuro is going to make these podcasts they can be branded up originals they can be released and the main exchange that apple gets is that they immediately have the option rights to make tv content out of it if they want to yeah, because yeah, we we, at, we crashed was a was a podcast series, right? I mean, it was reality. yeah, yeah we crashed. <laughs> uh, and the shrink next door, which is the Will Ferrell, Paul Rudd one, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. both came from podcast adaptations from Wondery, mm-hmm. uh, which again there was rumors that Apple might acquire Wondery at one point, but they, I think they got more Amazon. Um, but the option rights on those would have been really expensive because they are established podcasts not owned by Apple, right? So right. if there's if there's interest in making a TV show and the podcast producers know that Apple's going to spend millions per episode they're going to get probably five million at least out of licensing rights so rather than doing that they can spend five million you know paying future studio to make 10 podcasts and then they need one of them to be successful enough to convert to a series and they've already made more money than the the licensing rights from the adapt the adaptation of those two shows yeah uh, i feel like hiding an unsuccessful podcast is easier than hiding uh, an unsuccessful tv show too yeah that's true you can throw it out there if it doesn't work it doesn't matter and Cost-wise, it doesn't matter. Like the Shrink Next Door, Paul Rudd and Will Ferrell are both getting a million dollars an episode for that, and it's that's like a part series. Yeah, yeah. So that's sixteen million dollars just in the cast fees of those two things. The show probably costs ten million dollars an episode each, right? That's a hundred million dollars on that one show. And so far today, Apple spent ten million dollars on Apple Podcast production. Like you can see why they want to do it this way round because it's basically like a, a cheaper way to test out stuff. If they find something that really connects with an audience chances are when they do make it a tv series be more popular more successful so that's what they're trying to do i will say to date none of the apple original podcasts that are standalone have actually been formally ordered into tv plus content so maybe the strategy isn't working as well as they hope because they haven't actually ordered anything yet but and there there is an aspect of this which is that um both amazon and spotify and other services are doing you know they they have their original podcast whether they're locked behind the, the service the app or not um apple's just you know it's important that apple plays in that field as well so that you don't just take all your podcast attention and put it on another service and you think well the apple one is just where they've got the big you know all the all the free ones but but they don't have anything original uh it's a good branding you know apple was associated with podcasts for so long kind of exclusively and now podcast is is you know it is it isn't just the free news show or or something like that but but it's original content and that it's storytelling and it's limited series that aren't just indefinite and I think it's important for Apple to play in this space as well. Otherwise, they, 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 <laughs> their, their, their uh, association with podcasts changes from what from what it's becoming for other services. Yeah, and again, right now this is the strategy. It's basically like a feeding ground for TV Plus. In the future, they could switch up and have exclusive podcasts that you you know get with an Apple One subscription or something like. They have the flexibility to do that. But yeah. the cost invest, the the amount that they're playing around with at the moment is minimal, negligible. So that's what they're doing. And if they find a hit, they'll go make a TV plus show out of it. Yeah. Uh, next up is this report that Apple's begin filming the iPhone 14 and 14 Pro event, uh, you know, which, which says, <laughs> tells us that there will be at least virtual aspects of it. Uh, I, I, if you would have asked me just blankly, you know, is, is this iPhone event going to be in person or not? Um, you know, we, we joked back and we joked back and forth about WWDC and whether that was in person or not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I would have said, you know, they did, they did virtual just in case they did it in person, you know, in terms of attendance. Um, but they, they found their stage and can they do that with a much smaller group of just press and staff, not, not developers invited for an iPhone event. Um, and I would have guessed that, you know, they, they're going to do this much more like a traditional event than in the past. 
um, according to Mark Gaiman of Bloomberg, that they're already filming what will be the event. So no, doesn't roll out having you know press as well. But but I just yeah, I guess the- they could fly <laughs> out to the um, Steve Jobs well, Theater to watch the video. Yeah, yeah you can still come out and and and, and see. Um, but and I think there's you know even with this report, I think that doesn't roll out the, the <laughs> in person elements on the keynote stream that everyone sees later on, you know, or live and and, and but. Um, and you could you could argue like they they've learned things from doing these remote sessions that they'll always incorporate bigger more theatrical presentations you know with with produced video before not just um you know person on stage talking and going through a slideshow uh you know and if you go way back we it was a growing complaint that more and more apple keynotes involved playing a video for you um and but but it sounds it you know it, it does I like sound when, like uh, steve Jobs did it and he'd play an ad and then he'd be like i loved it so much we're gonna play the same ad again and yeah. sit there for another two minutes and watch the same ad again yeah or tim cook plays uh you know an ad and says do, do you know who that is do you get it like <laughs> it's jimmy <the>, fallon <laughs> justin timberlake yep so iPhone, iPhone 6 came out, by the way. Um, yeah, that is a great... Look that up if you haven't seen that. That's so funny because no one yeah. understood who the voices were. <laughs> it's like, Jimmy Fallon! Or shared the same enthusiasm of like, yeah, you got Jimmy Fallon, big deal. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, and I guess we'll find out soon enough. We're, we're in the middle of August right now. Uh, I, you know, typically... the end of the month. Maybe. Me. I mean, typically mm-hmm. if it was like... I kind of looked at the last 10 years of like how soon they sent out an invite based on if it was in person or not. And they never reached 14 days before an in-person event to send an invite out. 13 was the max. Um, but they've certainly skewed towards seven, like like going closer to seven days for, for non-in-person events. WWDC seems to change based on like closer to the, to the event, how many people you could, you could fit there safely. So maybe this is kind of like that where, they announced it, you know, almost two weeks in advance, you know, maybe 10 days in advance or so. And then the actual, like, the the, the, the press, the in-person element of it for press and, and, and even staffing it with just employees changes closer to the event. Uh, but does does not sound like a full return to in-person as we've... we've not yet. Not as, yet. As I think we they want to get off. there, but not this year. That's fair. Uh, and then uh, last on the list is uh, a story I wrote this week on, uh, on 95Mac about uh, an iPad. That NASA is sending around the moon. So uh, I, I thought this was interesting, and, and uh, readers seem to share the opinion as well that this is pretty interesting because um, what this is is, well, first of all, I would say that it, it's it, it's factual that NASA is about to send the first rocket, like moon rocket, um, since the seventies, since the Saturn V rocket, and that's what the new rocket called the Space Launch System rocket, and a new spacecraft called Orion. And, and 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 that's all to set the stage for astronauts going back to the moon, which, you know, if, if you're not caught up on that, that's, you know, that's totally fair. Like I learned about it a couple of years ago and now it's like finally actually happening. So that's all very cool. Um, but the, the iPad angle on this is that I learned about a smaller part of this first mission called Artemis 1, uh, which is called Callisto. And it's uh, the, the mission there is to integrate uh, Amazon Alexa voice assistant integration into the Orion spacecraft to just test out what it would be like in the future to have voice control features built into a spacecraft, like you see on sci-fi movies and everything. Um, you know, things like checking fuel gauges and all these levels and everything and doing certain tasks that you could do with your voice, um, largely taking consumer, you know, technology and, and, and bringing it to, you know, spacecraft that have to be very controlled and very, you know, nothing can go wrong. <laughs> can't be, can't be bad experience. 
So they're doing that by um, integrating like like a, a a canned version of Alexa with like set commands and responses, and it, you know it can't work off your home Wi-Fi. It's got to work off um, NASA's like deep space network and everything. And the way that they're doing all of that is they're putting an iPad in this case, and the iPad will run WebEx from Cisco, and there's no there's nobody on board of this Orion spacecraft. It's an uncrewed flight around the moon. But when the iPad is going around the moon, some some engineers back on uh, back on Earth are going to talk through WebEx through the iPad to the Alexa system on the on the spacecraft and just try out how it works, see how it works. <laughs> that but it's interesting. Um, the thing that caught my attention was I I, I read about this. They they kind of detailed it back in January, but um, they, they they just said tablet. They just said we're going to use Cisco from Web, WebEx from Cisco. We're going to use Alexa from Amazon, and we're going to use a tablet. And I emailed this week the company behind it, Lockheed Martin, and said, "Tablet, what's that mean?" <laughs> and they said, "iPad." So I'm like, "Oh, cool. There's, there's, there's my connection, you know, for for Apple." And um, and wrote about it, and you know, a lot of the reaction was, "Why, are, why is an iPad going around the moon to test Alexa, and not Siri?" Well, I think the big thing there is Alexa is just like way more open to play with for companies than Siri is, um, and the yeah, iPad. they can write a skill and do <laughs> yeah. whatever they want. Yeah, I, I don't think Apple shares Siri that way, but. Um, and also just there, there isn't a Siri kit domain for space travel. <laughs> no, and it also it's I mean it's a it's a commercial partnership too yeah. between between Cisco and Amazon and Lockheed Martin and NASA. So um, that, that's all fun. But it, you know it, the thing that struck me the most was you know iPads didn't exist during the Apollo era, but you know in the sixties and seventies. So there was never um, a, a go to the moon mission that included an iPad. And on this first one, the return back you know to the moon. Um, it, it, it is included. And so it just kind of struck me, you know, we, we've seen obviously a lot of Apple technology in space from um, iPods and, you know, iPads used commonly in space to go to the space station. And that's just a few hundred you know, miles away from the earth, but this is um, much further out. So it's kind of, kind of cool. And just a fun use of seeing, I think it's a very, as unpublicized as the Artemis program is from NASA, because it's just kind of a, a long drawn out process. And then it's finally happening all at once. Um, this is even less publicized, I thought. So I thought it was it was both a cool discovery, you know, it got my attention and, and then sharing it. I think a lot of other people enjoyed it as well. Um, yeah, it's cool. Yep. And then all that to say, by the way, go listen to our For All Mankind special episode from Happy Hour where we talk about the season and what we think about it. Um, and and that's available in the, the paid version of Happy Hour, which is $4.99 per month, $4.99 per year. Is there a free trial? You can just listen to it for free. There might be. I can't remember. It might be. I don't know. I don't, know. I don't <laughs> subscribe. I'll do the show. But uh, yeah, so that's available there. Check that out if you're interested. That's in the Apple Podcast app if you want to have any chance of finding that. Um, and we appreciate everyone who does. Send us your feedback. We can email Benjamin and I together at happyhour at 9to5mac.com. You can follow me on Twitter at ApolloZach. That's A-P-O-L-L-O-Z-A-C. And Benjamin, you're on Twitter at BZA Mayo. And that's it for this week. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.